Hi, and welcome to Real Talk with Rachel, with my wife, Rachel Gilbert. Did you know that God has a unique call on your life? But things like fear, insecurities, and lies keep us from experiencing God's best. This podcast will consist of real talk about real life with real people. We pray that every episode brings you one step closer to your original design so you can confidently pursue your God-given dreams. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk with Rachel. I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert, and today I'm really excited to bring to you a special guest. Her name is Latan Murphy, and she is the author of Courageous Women of the Bible. Now I have to tell you, her and I chat a little bit about it in the beginning, but today has been one of those days that I had every excuse to totally cancel this interview, and I'm so thankful I didn't. My husband and I are going through a crazy little flooding situation in our house. It is getting under control, but the last few days have been insane, and usually I come into these podcast episodes totally prepared, all these amazing questions written out, and I had nothing this time. And since this is real talk, I wanted to share that with you so that you know that what you're about to listen to was totally spirit-led and God-breathed. And I need you to know that so that I cannot take credit for how amazing this interview was. It challenged me, and I know it's going to bless you if you're listening today and you're going, yes, I could use some courage in my life you're about to get a total double dose of it. So lean into this conversation and I want you to stay tuned to the end. I'm going to share with you how you can enter to win a book, her book, The Courageous Woman of the Bible book. Let's go ahead and hop into this conversation I had with Latan. Hey, Latan, how are you? Hi, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a really crazy day and you know, one of these days where you want to cancel, but you know that God has something more. So thank you so much for taking time to interview me. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. So speaking of crazy, I think the listeners need to hear that both of us have had a little bit of a crazy day as we speak. We were actually supposed to record this tomorrow, but then my house decided it wanted to flood. (laughs) And so the current situation in my house is high power fans. You can barely hear yourself think. And, um, I thought, you know what? I don't think anybody out there would like to listen to a fan blowing in their ear. So we, I, I frantically reached out and we rescheduled. And you know why I share that with you all? First of all, because this is Real Talk with Rachel. I want you all to know that me and my guests, we have real lives that we're navigating through. Uh, while social media might like make us look like, oh, things are so pretty and beautiful. And, um, you know, that's just not always the case. And here's the thing that I've learned, especially about this podcast, is the more opposition I have in getting a particular guest on means there's more of anointing behind it because the Lord has his hand all over this. And even just as we were getting ready and talking, um, I'm excited for the direction our conversation is going to go. So thank you for uh, working with me and getting this to take place. Thank you so much. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah. So we are going to jump right into some of the questions I have for you because I have a lot But before we do, I would love if you would just introduce yourself briefly to the listeners in case anybody does not know you. I'm Latan Murphy, and I live in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I recently published my third book entitled Courageous Women of the Bible, Leaving Behind Fear and Insecurity for a Life of Confidence and Freedom. I have three 
adult children and two grandchildren and a very full, wonderful, crazy life. And I need courage every day. So I wrote this book because of that, because of all the crazy life circumstances that can come up without being ready for them. That's pretty much who I am. Uh, I speak at women's events. I love to encourage women, no matter what age bracket, and share from my own very raw places. I think that we have to be really transparent if we're going to reach anyone for Christ. And as you said so well earlier, people can look at your social media and think your life is perfect. And I try really hard to live from a really transparent place that's relatable and that other people can say, wow, I'm like you. (laughs) I understand where you are because I don't feel like we have room to pretend and put our mask on anymore. So that's really me in a nutshell as just a lover of people, a lover of coffee. (laughs) Absolutely. And if you could see me over here, I'm jumping for joy because that's for sure what I preach, if you will, not from a soapbox, but from the trenches of just that we'll take off our mask and just be real with each other. And I am a, a lot of people know this about me. I'm a blogger. And so I get a lot of books to read or review and when your book came in the mail, I opened it and saw the title. And immediately I was like, I have to interview this woman. Because as I started to read your book, I mean, Courageous Women of the Bible, that is really wraps up what I feel like I stand for a lot online as well, is just this really deep heartfelt desire that I have to see women walk confidently in the direction of their God-given dreams. And so often that requires us to be courageous. And so I absolutely adore when I find other women like you who are saying, yes, I want that too. I want that for women too. Oh, 100%. 100%. So tell me a little bit, what inspired you to write a book on courage? And I asked this question because... I have found for myself, and it seems like a lot of authors, that a lot of times we are called to write on topics that we have personally had to walk out in our own lives. So I'd love to hear your story of what even led you to write this book. Well, in my in, in the introduction of the book, I confess to everyone that the first thing they need to know about me is that I'm a self-proclaimed chicken, <laughs> that I'm often fearful and seldom courageous, and that courage has been a real journey for me. Um, It's something that we all need, but sometimes we lack it. And I think that there was this misconception in my mind for many years that I needed to be courageous if I was a believer and I needed to be courageous all the time, no matter what the circumstance. And I've learned through some really difficult life situations that the Lord, He is courage and He wants us just to fearfully step out and go towards Him, run and chase after Him, no matter if our knees are knocking and we're trembling and we're scared half to death. So I really, really wanted to write this book from a different angle of what courage is and how we need it every day. And I hope that brings a little bit of clarity. I started out with just one woman named Deborah. I thought I was going to write a Bible study about Deborah. I fell in love with her story. I fell in love with her courage that when men failed her, she continued to move forward in her faith journey, obediently looking to her God and acting with courage, even when it seemed that the people around her were exhausted and faithless and perhaps fearful. And I really, really related to her story. And then the publisher and my agent 
encouraged me to write about 11 women instead of just the one. And boy, I found pieces of myself in every single one of these women. I love that. And I love how you said that courage is a journey because I can totally relate to the self-proclaimed chicken. And, you know, I think if people see me now, they're like, wow, you're so courageous. But I always am quick to tell people I haven't always been this way. It has definitely been a journey of the Lord saying, hey, let's do this thing. And then, okay, let's do another thing. But the quote I had on my bathroom mirror was courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyways. And um, (laughs) yeah, and so I I can totally relate to the it being a journey. And I just adore how you took us to the Bible to look at this because it's so easy to Mm. think of all these quotes, which are awesome quotes, like the one I just told you, it's an awesome quote, but it's not a it's not in the Bible. (laughs) And it did help me get to a certain place. But you know, something that even resonated more with me as I read your book was really just looking at these women and how the thing that really jumped out to me about your book was courage looks different on everybody. And the fact that you're able to find 11 women who it looked different for all of them. And that's such good news for all of us. Because sometimes I think we I know I have believed this lie in the past. I am a quiet person by nature. So if I'm in a group of people, I'm not normally the talkative one. I like to speak whenever I am given a mic. I kind of turn into this different person. It's weird, which that's how I know it's God. But in a group of women, I'm definitely the quiet person. And so for years growing up, I thought, oh, well, I'm just not super talkative about going. That must mean I'm not made for big things. Does that make sense? I don't know. It was kind of, I thought it was just, oh, if if you're not the life of the party, then I guess you've got nothing to, you know, not that I didn't feel like anything to give. I just definitely didn't think I was called to lead and called to do courageous things because of a personality thing. And um, that's one thing I absolutely adore about your book was just highlighting these different ladies and what that looks like. I think the most beautiful women sometimes are the women like you who possess this quiet strength inside of them. And when they really are faced with some situation, you're able to see that courage mobilized beyond circumstances, and which is exactly what you're doing right now with stepping out and being a voice for so many people to spread the word and spread the gospel through other people's writings and teachings and So that right there is real courage. Well, thank you. Yeah, you definitely are someone that we would all look up to. Oh, thank you. That means a lot to me. Um, So was this your first book you've written? This was my third book. My first book with Bethany House. So it was was a real joy and a real stretching beyond a real sharpening. I shared with you a little bit earlier before we started recording that you think in your mind you're writing for your readers. I'm sure you can relate to that as a blogger. Mm-hmm. You're trying to think of messages that are relatable and, like we said, transparent and fruitful, like where there's a real takeaway to someone, like a tool in their hand. And yet sometimes we forget that we're actually writing for us and that unless we're writing for the deepest, most fearful, in my case, uh, writing a book about courage, I had to write about my own fears and my own insecurities and my own need for God to give me a courageous spirit in every circumstance so that I could be mobilized into tomorrows that are less fearful and less anxious. Yeah, I love that. And you shared with me also before, and this was something I wanted the listeners to hear, that your first book you said you self-published. And tell me the reason why you did that. Oh, my mother-in-law. I had the most wonderful mother-in-law. She taught me how to be a mother-in-law. 
and she personified courage for 16 years in a battle with cancer. And all through those years, she knew that I had the heart to write. I would write little things here and there, but it was like a big dream to write a book, which we know those dreams come from God. It's just that we have to Uh, have courage manifested in order to walk these things out, you know. And she came to me and said, you know, I want to see one of your books published. And you know that I don't have a lot of time. So we have to hurry. And so we're going to have to self-publish. Well, you know, there were a lot of voices that came, uh, voices of discouragement, truthfully, um, from people sometimes um, that were like, why would you want to self-publish? Oh, don't do that. Don't do that, especially on your first book. And You know, at that point, it was my love for my mother-in-law was so deep, and she had always been my biggest cheerleader. And so it was a joy to me to push these voices aside. And then I had voices also that were prayer warriors, cheerleader friends who had their pom-poms in the air and like go, you know. But it was really the voice of the Lord that compelled me to just listen to my mother-in-law and walk in this. And boy, the joy that we shared, Rachel— when that book was published by just a small publishing print company down in Florida, um, for me to watch her eyes light up as she held that book in her hands and for her to be able to celebrate with me the first fruit of my written labor published, it was just priceless and still today is. And she's with the Lord. I just felt like all of heaven was rejoicing. She was at the front of the line when Courageous Women of the Bible was published. I love this testimony, and here's why I really wanted you to share it today was because I know not everybody listening wants to write a book. Some do, but I know all of us can relate to having some kind of a dream in our heart that feels bigger than us, and I definitely think there's a season for waiting and watching and learning, and then there's a season to move, and I feel like a lot of us, especially us ladies, sometimes have trouble going from this place of dreaming to a place of doing and I, I just adore the fact that life itself is what made you go ahead and say, you know what, life is short. I don't know how much more time we have with my mother-in-law. We're going to take action. And, you know, recently we had somebody in our community here online passed away and she was young. And it really ever since then, it's only been not even a whole month ago that this happened. Ever since then, the Lord's been reminding me of the brevity of life and just that not to be afraid of dying, but to realize this earth is not any of our homes. We are all, my my dad still says this to this day, we're pilgrims passing through. And when we keep that mindset, it takes me from this place of, oh, what if, what happens, what, you know, all these what ifs to no, today is the day that we do this thing. And maybe it's something big like a book, or maybe it's something like today's the day I forgive that friend who hurt my feelings, or today's the day I start, you know, stewarding my household well, whatever the thing is that God told us to do, to not wait until tomorrow, today's the day. And so that's why when you shared that before we started talking, I was like, we need to bring that up on the podcast because that just really resonated with my spirit. Well, I love your heart. I just have to say that. And everything you're saying is everything that this book is about, because it is about moving your heart and your mind from this place to that place and making decisions today that can result in better tomorrows. Everything you just said is all about that. 
that you want to live in this place of the brevity of life and how precious it is. But it all starts right here and now. And that's a big message that is a part of this book, Courageous Women of the Bible, is just living in that place and being present enough to say, as every one of these women did, my circumstance is not working for me real well here. So I have to go to God and find out what I can do to change the situation. And then you have to step out and have the courage to do something about it. And all 11 of these women found themselves in very difficult situations. And they found the courage to step out to change their tomorrows into something better. I love that thought. I want to take a minute to tell you about a tool that I can't live without called the Erin Condren Life Planner. Believe it or not, I haven't always been a get things done kind of girl. But when my husband and I bought our clinic, I was forced to get some systems in place. I bought an Erin Condren Planner and my life hasn't been the same since. It keeps me organized, it's personalized for me, and they even have fun stickers to make things pretty. The Life Planner is just one of the many products Erin Condren sells, but it's my personal favorite. Erin Condren is giving away a $75 gift card to one lucky listener. All you have to do is leave an iTunes review in the month of August. And if you've already left an iTunes review, simply share this podcast on social media, on Facebook or Instagram, and be sure to tag me at Rachel J. Gilbert on Instagram and at Rachel Joy Gilbert on Facebook. So you're entered. So the link to shop Erin Condren is in the show notes also. I hope you have fun picking out that planner. So we're going to move into a couple of the questions that I came up with for you. And actually, when I say I came up with them, usually when I interview guests, I have to kind of, you know, figure out what to ask them. And, you know, just I like to be spirit led. But what I love, there's a section of each chapter for everybody listening today. One of my most favorite parts of your book is at the end of each chapter, you have something called a courage quest, which has all these questions in it for us to reflect on, you know, to go and take something what we just read and say, okay, now let's make this actionable. And so as I was reading through your book, I thought she's written her own questions. So what I, <laughs> what I want to do today, and obviously, we won't get through all 11 chapters, we would be here for a couple more hours. So we won't do that. But I thought it would be fun. I wrote down a few questions from each chapter that you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but from everything I have seen from people who've written books and even just myself with blogging, a lot of us writers and authors, we write from a place of something we have walked through, we're currently mm. walking through, or maybe we know somebody who's walked through something similar. So we usually have sure. a very up close and personal story to tell about these kinds of things. And so I'm going to kind of just go through some of these different ladies and then ask you... The same question you asked us in the book, but really just ask you to maybe give us some examples of how you would answer those questions. Um, okay, yeah. Perfect. So from the first one, from the chapter on Deborah, I loved the question you asked about, have you ever experienced a time in your life when you felt called to lead, but felt ill-equipped to do so? This one so resonated with me on yeah. so many levels. So I want to see what your answer is on this one. Oh, you grabbed me by the juggler and pulled me in immediately because this is this has always been my biggest struggle. Was um, I think it's true for most women, as you said earlier about your being more of an introvert by nature and stepping out and doing the podcast. I think mm -hmm. that that was so relatable to this because I think most of us don't see what we are capable of, especially 
what we are capable of when we are walking with the Savior and we are, we've stepped into his power, then all that he is becomes ours too. And he wired us with all these gifts and yet so many insecurities and so much anxiety are attached to all of the gifts that he's given to us. So I don't think most of us see ourselves in or with a leadership mindset. And that's the way the enemy tries to work hard against who we were created to be at our core. That's so good. And and also why this resonated with me was I was recently interviewed on another podcast about leadership and they asked me this question. They said, when did you, and it took me by surprise because they said, when did you first see yourself as being a leader? And I was like, uh, never, you know, I mean, I, it kind of just fell into, you know, I, I still struggle to this day when I'm asked to do things, you know, kind of doubting. Mm-hmm. And I remember the mm-hmm. first person who asked me to lead just a life group, it was not a big deal, but at the time it felt like a huge deal to me. And we were sitting in a group of ladies and she said, Hey, Rachel, would you lead a group? And actually she didn't say Rachel. She looked at me and she said, would you lead a group? And I turned around and I looked behind me. I thought, who she, she's not talking to me. Who's she talking to? And, and, you know, I share this story (laughs) as often as I can with people to also remind us as women to call that stuff out of each other. And so that's why, like, my heart for this podcast today is that if you're listening to this, I mean, maybe maybe you've listened to my podcast before, or maybe this is your first time ever listening to my podcast. I want to encourage you that you are supposed to be listening to this because the Lord is calling you out as a leader. This is like a word in due season for someone listening that the Lord sees you as a leader and he's already deposited everything into you that you need to just step out and do the thing that you're called to. So I just wanted to share that. (laughs) That's so good because we are overcomers with God. We've been given his voice of wisdom, his voice of direction, and he is the capable one. And all we have to do, as I said earlier, is just go fearfully and be willing to be used. Yeah. And then the next question I have for you, and I did not write down which chapter this came from, so maybe you can tell me, um, have you ever self-appointed yourself to a position of leadership? And if so, how did you gracefully bow out? Oh, I have. I have stepped into roles that maybe were things that I wanted to do, but weren't my appointment to do. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's really dangerous territory because if we want to live most free, where we're not constantly looking around us for man's applause, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Then we have to um, really listen to the voice of wisdom. And God did wire us. He says in his word that he knew us before the worlds were formed and that he knew us and saw us in the heavenly realm before we were knitted together in our mother's womb. And so that means he not only knows the number of hair on our head, but he also knows that he wired us with a particular DNA, gifting and purpose. So we just cannot run the risk of wasting our lives and trying to be something that was never our role. There's no big positions and small positions from heaven's perspective. It's all the same. He sees obedience. He sees courage. He sees willingness, and that's what he cares about. Then he makes it great. So the the small things become big when he's at the center of it. But boy, I've tried and I've messed up and I've wanted to be like sister so-and-so earlier in my life and be able to do 
this or that or the other thing. And wow, they can do this. And oh, I wish I had that gift. And the whole time, it's just all a bunch of distraction. It's really a smoke screen that the enemy throws away to block our spiritual vision to be able to see where God wants to take us and how he wants to use us. That's so true. And I wrote down one thing that jumped out to me that you just said, the small things become big when he's at the center of it. That's so good. And I can very much, again, I feel like all these questions, I was like, did she read my diary? I think she's been reading my diary because <laughs> because you totally just hit the nail on the head on so many of these questions in the book. But I can relate to, it's interesting. I feel like me personally, maybe somebody listening can relate. I tend to swing both directions. So I went from this place of, just real talk here, from this place of not seeing myself as a leader to then all of a sudden, oh, I want to lead everything, you know, like, oh, I want to do all the things. And just like mm-hmm. you said, I want to get, you know, I want to be involved in everything. And I can always tell when I've been appointing myself to certain positions when my life feels chaotic or it lacks peace in any way. Mm. And really and truly, the Lord literally has to, I want to say at least once every six months, sometimes sooner, he has to make me sit down carve out part of my day when the kids are off doing something and it's just me and him. And he has me, and you actually put this as one of the, um, I think it was with this question above the question to list out all the things that you're a part of and that you do and that you've been appointed to. And then you said, now highlight any of the things that you might've self-appointed yourself to. And I, I have to do that very often because somehow I find myself doing all these things and some of them, I was totally appointed to do it by God. And then other things I picked mm-hmm. up along the way because I didn't consult with him first. And I have oh, to yeah. repent and go, Lord, I'm so sorry. Now help me to graciously bow out of this so that I can get my peace back. I think that what you're saying is so powerful for your listeners to hear. It's so powerful for me to be reminded because I still really struggle sometimes with, I want to say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. I want to be helpful I want to serve. I want to love and bless people. And even in that, you know, the enemy will take our best fruit and he will try to use it as his. Mm. And he will just fill our lives with things that are good things, but maybe they're not the number one thing that God wants us to focus on. And so lately, getting back to that, what I said earlier about how he knew us before the worlds were even formed, that blows my mind Mm. that he knew us and he saw us and that he is that detailed and that interested in who I am amazes me because sometimes I don't think I'm worth it, you know, and that a holy God in my smallness, he would come to me in his greatness and he would say, I have something I want you to do that's special. And, and it's something that nobody else can do exactly the way you can do it, that there's no comparison between God's girls, that every gift we bring to him is beautiful. It's a sweet aroma and he will bless it. The times that I have stepped into roles, Rachel, that were not my God appointment, I've been left most exhausted, Mm. most emotionally empty, tearful, really, and feeling just dissatisfied in every way, because it is really a chasing after the wind. But when I've stepped into roles, for example, like writing this book, Courageous Women of the Bible, there was a fire in my belly, and I knew that God had appointed me with a message. And even though there's probably a million people in the world that have written about courage, there was an angle of courage that he wanted me to write on. Mm -hmm. And that just humbles me and truly moves me to tears right now because I know who I am 
and I know who he is. And I was so overwhelmed that he would choose me to write about these women and that he would allow me to learn from them and to give that message to other women the same way that you're giving this message to not compare yourself because there's no need. And the Bible tells us that when we compare ourselves with others, we always come up short, always. He just wants us to stay true to the thing that He has called us to, the thing that's in our hand that He's called us to use. Oh, so good. Okay, I have so many more questions for you. So I'm over here trying to decide which ones to ask you. And then if you're listening and you're like, ask them all, well, you just need to buy the book because (laughs) you just need to read and hear personal stories because we don't have time to go into all the questions that I have here. But the next one that I'm really feeling the Lord wants me to bring up is the one about the Samaritan woman Mm. and... Um, the question that you wrote in here, and I feel like you kind of were starting to hit on on some of the thoughts that you were having, but is that does your personal shame hinder you from conversing with Jesus in prayer? And I really love that you looked at this from a place of courage, that it, it took courage for her to even talk with him. You know, like sometimes we think courage is doing some huge thing, but we're just talking with Jesus. That takes courage. So wow. is that, is shame anything? I know... Shame is a really big thing that I don't think it's just gender neutral. I think it's men and women alike. Shame. I know growing up used to until I really started to learn how to have a relationship with the Lord. As twisted as this is, when I would sin, I would want to hide from God and hide from talking with Jesus because I'm going, oh, I I messed up. But I remember somebody said something and I don't remember who it was or else I'd give him credit for it. But there was a message I was listening to years ago and they said, we feel like whispering about something that we've, you know, done wrong because we think God can't hear. And we're like, uh, he hears you, you know, he knows and he wants you to come and talk with him because he cares yes. about every single detail of our lives. So how he has does. shame, how have you dealt with shame or overcome shame in your life? You know, I think this is such a good question to bring up because it's something that has been pressing on my heart for a while now, even beyond the writing of this book. And I think it, affects every single breathing human being because we are so, we're so broken. Mm. Um, we are just broken people and we are so sinful. We were born of a sinful nature and attached to our choices. The result of our choices, sinful choices is sin. And sometimes we don't even realize until we're much you know, older or the circumstances far removed from our lives how much the enemy never forgets those things. His memory is sharp. He is a history buff, and he will push the restart button, uh, the voices in our head over and over and over again because he wants to keep our heads turned back to our past so that we can't look forward to our better tomorrows with God. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that was true for the woman that came to the well. I believe that she may not have even known what shame fully was until she met love face to face. Have you ever had a time where you didn't even know how wrong you had been Mm -hmm. until you saw the right way and the right thing? And that's what the love of Jesus is and does is he is compassion. He is not condemnation. The enemy is condemnation and shame. And Jesus is compassion and love. And the shameful places that I've experienced in my life have been some of the loudest voices that I've had to ever deal with. 
And there have been times where I've stood in the shower and said out loud, you are not my father's voice. Mm. I'm listening to my father's voice. My father's voice is not the voice of shame and condemnation. He took my shame. He took my sin. He removed it as far as the east is from the west. And I'm forgiven. Now my shame is a part of a testimony that is courageous, that is powerful, that's like a wind that can carry me into tomorrow and affect people's lives with transparency and give them hope for their lives. Oh, this is so powerful. I've got chills over here because I'm totally going to do that. I think that, you know, shame comes in all shapes and sizes. And here's what's interesting is even recently I've thought, yeah, I'm free from the shame of my past. Like all my really big sins, I'm feel like I'm really free from the shame that I used to carry from some of the big, you know, blatant sins. But yet shame sneaks in sometimes. I know for me in the back door and I don't even I'll I'll have a conversation with shame and not always even recognize that I am. For example, I have people know if they've listened to my podcast or my blog, I have a desire and a dream to write a book someday. And, you know, one of the reasons I waited so long to even start blogging was because I have shame when it comes to my grammar. Honestly, like English growing up, as weird Mm -hmm. as this sounds, I'm a math nerd. I won state all these math competitions. You want me to work out algebraic equations? I'll do that all day long, which I know is so Mm -hmm. opposite of most people. But you want me to dissect a sentence and tell you, you know, all this stuff, like even my own kids there in Shirley English. And I'm learning with my fourth grader, Shirley English, because I'm going, oh, okay, now I get this. Oh, let me learn that jingle with you. And so for me, sometimes shame comes in those back doors of, oh, you're not good at English. How could you even think of writing? You know, and that's that's shame. It's lies, but it's also shame to think, how could I be this old and not know how to write a sentence that's grammatically correct? And so I just wanted to highlight that, too, that... Sometimes shame isn't super bright and loud and, you know, like I feel like we can recognize our big sin shames, but we don't always recognize shame of, oh, I don't know how to do this right or, oh, you know, all those different things. You mean like how the enemy beats us up? He beats us up with that kind of stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's like a shame on you broom that he just beats the mess out of us, you know, with and leaves us feeling ill-equipped and just cuts us to the lowest level. And that, again, is a big, big part of spiritual warfare. And some of the listeners may not even know what spiritual warfare is. And this, my friend, is what it looks like, exactly what Rachel was just talking about. And I love that you totally rose with a courageous spirit as you were sharing your personal vulnerability. You turned it into power. I mean, Mm. that right there is just the most beautiful, powerful challenge to me and every person listening. And I think it's just a challenge for all of us as believing women to just be that real and that transparent every single day, because it's the same voice, just different words, but the same dark voice that comes against us. Yes. And I was going to ask you that. And I guess you really answered this unless you have anything else to add to it of how do you, what would your advice be to somebody who feels like maybe they're even recognizing right now? Yeah, I've been listening to the voice of shame. How do they overcome that? For me, like I said earlier, Sometimes it is such an overwhelming, crushing presence coming in on me of what you didn't do right, what you should have done better, all the regrets, 
that are attached to shame, whether it's those simple little things of, you know, feeling like you weren't the best mom in this way or that way, and you should have done better this way or that way. And all of that is condemnation. That is not the convicting, sweet voice of Jesus. Um, So as I said earlier, I say out loud in the name of Jesus, you are not my father's voice, Satan. In the name of Jesus, you are not my father's voice. And I am not listening to you today. I will listen to my father's voice only. That is so powerful. That's so powerful. End of story. Amen. All right. So I think I have time for one more question. And I don't even know... We we could have done an entire episode on this one. I loved the title of this chapter, as well as the questions and the points in it. And it was called "Naked Courage." Um, I uh, yeah, we can't have a real talk with Rachel without talking about naked courage, right? That's like just fitting. I mean, we could have just named the title of the podcast "Naked Courage." It'd be awesome. Um, But I loved how the five different points you had on this and you're welcome to elaborate more if you want especially if they haven't read the book they may I want them to at least be able to have a reference for what we're talking about but you were talking about um especially in marriage right yeah yeah um and the five different points you had were showing interest pursuit compliment nurture and catching the little foxes um (laughs) uh, now again you know if you want to elaborate on any of these you can otherwise they can just read it in your book but this title alone should really just get you very curious about this chapter but of those areas which of those do you personally feel like you've struggled with the most Oh my goodness. All of them. Yeah. (laughs) All of them. Can I just say that and be honest? That's the only credibility that I had in writing it is there've been so many times in my marriage that I didn't realize I wasn't showing appropriate interest in my husband or proper interest in him because I was too busy wanting him to focus on me. Mm -hmm. Um, Isn't that interesting how that happens? Yeah. (laughs) So my mother we had some a shower, you know, how they'll have the women at the shower fill out like the best advice for the bride. And so they'd fill out these little cards, you know, you've probably been to showers like that. And when my daughter got married, they did the same game. And so I remember writing on an index card, here's your best marriage advice. It's, it's this, every morning when you wake up, before you even roll out of bed and your feet hit the floor, make one decision and it will totally transform your life. And it's this simple thing to live others minded Mm. in your marriage, in your marriage, live others mindedly. And what that means is it covers all five of these actually, because you're not living in the self-centered, what can I gain? But you're saying, how can I be a blessing and minister to my husband? And let me tell you, it does come back around. If it's a healthy person that you're married to, it comes back around full circle. That's God's design is that we give and love and show interest and compliment and pursue and lavish our loves, you know? Yeah, I love that. And I love that on a book called Courageous Women of the Bible, I love that you brought this in because my husband and I are both very passionate about marriage. In fact, that's another book we're planning to write is a marriage book. And we were really excited about that. But I love that this is something that takes courage. And that is you took us actually into the Bible. You showed us in scripture where, you know, the Lord talks about all of these different things in putting your spouse first and nurturing that relationship first. And honestly, that does take courage 
to trust the Lord that what he says in his word is true and that when you honor him and you honor him by honoring your spouse, that then he will do what he said he's going to do and things are going to flourish and go well for you in your marriage and in your Mm -hmm. life. And um, that's why this chapter just got me all kinds of excited. And I loved the one you talked about on catching the little foxes. The I guess what the last question I would ask you is what foxes do you think that we should be most aware of in and out of marriage? I guess those almost two different questions, but if you can't answer that. I think that the one we should really be most mindful of is the power of our words. Mm. Um, so in a marriage to not nag your husband because mm-hmm. no one wants to be around a nag. I don't, even Mm -hmm. in my friendships with women. Um, So I certainly don't want that in my marriage. So just being mindful that the lovely people that will tempt our husbands have no voices usually. Um, Sometimes they don't. And so your voice needs to be extra selective in how you approach him. And you don't have to be plastic about it. You can come to your husband with burdens, with needs, with even complaints sometimes. But I think it, it goes back to asking God about what our approach should be, because he created your husband also before the worlds were formed, and he saw his own formed body there. And so he knows the heart of your husband, and he knows his mind, and he knows how he will respond to you best. And he's ready and willing to give us the wisdom to know how to approach those that we love in the best way. And believe me, I've done it all wrong many times over. So I could write a book just on that one part. Yeah. <laughs> but but I've learned that what I'm saying to you now is truth. And I'm really celebrating the season of living it out and watching how God's work, how his leadership and his wisdom works inside the walls of a marriage. Oh, it's so powerful. Yeah, and outside even. If you, if, even outside, like you say, even as a single person mm-hmm. um, that you practice now before you get married, not being that nagging, complaining person, it's not attractive and it certainly won't draw the right kind of men to you. You want to draw God's appointed man into yourself. And so ask the Lord to reshape your heart into everything that he saw you could be today so that you can live out that woman's life tomorrow. That's so good. And I love that you just said that you pray that you would draw God's appointed man into you. I think that it's back to that whole God appointing something, um, how powerful that is. And, you know, I sometimes I get stressed out about certain things in life or business or whatever it might be. And the Lord, again, this is one of those areas where he has to draw me back in and go, hey, Rachel, don't forget when I appoint you to something or a, a place or a person or position It just, things go so well. It's not to say there's not struggles along the way, but it is, there's peace and joy in the process. And um, I love that Mm. you said that about relationships too. Yes, it's so much peace. Yeah. Okay. Well, we have already gone a little over time, so we're going to wrap up. I did have more questions, but that's okay. I think that we got to touch on several of the things that I wanted to. And again, if you are curious about any more of this, you just need to go ahead and grab her book. Um, But let's, I want to wrap up by giving you a chance that I know a lot of the ladies listening resonated with you. They loved your heart and they'd like to just keep this connection going with you even after they've listened to this podcast. So go ahead and tell them where they can find you online. You can find me online at latanmurphy.com. I would love for you to stop by and visit my website and I'd love for you to email me through the website. And also, 
I'd love to hear your feedback about Courageous Women of the Bible and how you found yourself in the lives of some of the 11 women that I've highlighted here. That would really mean a lot to me. So I look forward to that. Yeah, and we will actually get to give away one of your books, and I believe we'll do that over on Instagram. If you're listening, you can go to the show notes, but just as you know, if you don't already follow me on Instagram, go over there. It's Rachel J. Gilbert, and that's my handle. And sometime um, within the, around the release of this podcast, we'll make sure and we'll give away one of her books over there, and that would be a great place to drop your comments and just let us know what spoke to you, not only on the podcast, but also in the book awesome yeah well Latan, thank you so much again for taking the time out of your busy crazy day and um, just blessing these ladies with your message thank you so so much for having me well I don't know about you but I am all jazzed up and ready to go do some amazing things that the Lord has called me to I pray that this episode blessed you again I would just highly encourage you hop on Amazon go buy the courageous woman of the Bible book And then also head over to Instagram, like I mentioned, and make sure to enter to win a copy. Even if you purchase one for for yourself, then you'll have an extra copy you can give to a friend. You guys could read it together and go through the questions together and make a super fun Bible study or life group. And then thank you so much to those of you who have left iTunes review. We've gotten several of them in August. I know Don't forget, we are doing the Erin Condren $75 gift card giveaway in the entire month of August. And we're still in August right now. So you still have time to enter. So thank you for doing that. Please continue to leave those reviews. Not only do you get entered to win that gift card, but you are helping us get this message out. If you can't tell by now, I love for people to know the Lord and know his heart for them. And so that's why I get such joy bringing some different authors and different guests on here who get to share their heart and the things the Lord is doing and speaking through them. So we just want this podcast to get into the ears of more and more people. And the more iTunes reviews we have, the more feeds it pops up in and maybe somebody who doesn't know the Lord will pop in and listen and will be blessed and better yet saved, right? So help us to do that mission. And I just appreciate all of you. And I cannot wait to see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel. Have a great day, friends.